Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is September the 18th, and our passage for today is the book of Acts, chapter 28, the last chapter in this great book that tells us the story, the ongoing saga of the early church. And we have left now our beloved Apostle Paul and his companions as they have been shipwrecked and they have now escaped. And when we open up chapter 28, then they are found on the island of Malta. So let's begin. Verse 1 says, Now when they had escaped, then they found out that the island was called Malta. Now Malta is way south of the toe of the boot of Italy. If you look where the toe turns up, the ball of the foot would be just above where Malta is. And as you can see, they're in the middle of the Mediterranean. They are not far from the tip of Africa, and they are on course through everything that they have gone through. They have some time before they're going to get to Rome, which we will see in just a moment. But the Bible says when they landed there, the natives showed us unusual kindness. Now notice the personal pronouns, us. So Luke is still with him. He has gone through everything just like Paul had. And so these are exciting times when Luke and the companions that sail with Paul and all of these prisoners, remember, there were over 270 people on board. And it says the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. Now, this was unusual because the word that is used to describe the natives is the word barbarian. That's right, bar-bar-oi. The word is barbarians, bar-bar-oi. Oi is the plural ending the inflection of the Greek word. So that's where we get the word barbarians, that is barbarians. Who was a barbarian? We know that word today. That's someone who is uncultured, uncouth, someone who is ill-mannered. Well, that's the connotation of our particular idea of a barbarian. Well, it was with the Greeks as well, only with them, it was anyone who did not speak Greek, anyone who did not observe the Greek culture, because to a Greek person then and now, for the most part, it is a running commentary that anyone that is truly Greek, they believe it's the greatest culture on earth and that all the other cultures that are civilized would have come from them. If any of you watched the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, you will remember the obnoxious and sometimes hilarious father of the bride. Every word he would say, give me a word, give me a word. And he would trace it back to Greek. 
And this is the way that they then and now felt. This is why Alexander took his culture all over the world. He took the language all over the world because it is a language that is filled with beauty and art and it is a majestic language and a majestic culture. Yes, they had some things that were absolutely barbaric to us, but for that day it was a step above almost everyone. And so they looked at anyone who was not Greek, Hellenized, as someone who was a barbaroi. And so they were barbarians. And so they were unusually kind. In other words, they didn't act like they thought that anyone who was uncultured would have acted. So Luke makes mention of this. In other words, they did not act like the Greeks thought that they would. And even the companion of Paul, Luke, says that it was unusual how kind they were to us. Why? Because it was unexpected. Anyone who was not Greek and would handle people with this kind of kindness was unusual. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper, the word is echidna, And that's the word for a poisonous snake. And if someone was bitten by a snake that was filled with venom and poison, then they were expected to swell up and to die, to become very sick and then die. And so a viper came out because of the heat, that is, it was in the sticks and uh, was probably lying dormant in hibernation. And when it warmed up, it came out of the fire, out of the sticks that Paul was had just put on the fire and near the fire, and it fastened onto his hand. It bit him on the hand. And when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, because no doubt Paul pulled his hand back, they saw the creature hanging from his hand, and they said one to another, no doubt this is a murderer. This man is is a criminal above all, whom though he had escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But what happened? Paul shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up and suddenly fall down dead. Why? Because that's what happens. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said he's a god. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. And Paul went in to him and prayed, and he laid hands on him, and he healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came, and they were healed. They also honored us in many ways, and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. What does that mean? They gave them food, clothing, whatever they needed for their trip, for their journey. And after three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers which had wintered at the island. Now, what does that mean? This Alexandrian ship, as many would of that day, they would have had on the bow, they would have had sticking out, just help you to understand this, they would have had a figurehead, like uh, someone leading the way and watching out for the ship. And in this case, it was the twin brothers, the sons of Zeus, Castor and Pollux. 
These were mythological figures of the Greek uh, mythological system, sons of Zeus, and they would have no doubt thought that because of that, that is, the owners of the ship, that somehow these mythological figures would protect the ship and would guide it to safety. So Luke is just recounting this. Of course, he doesn't believe that, nor did Paul. He was just telling you what it was. And so it says, and from there we circled around and reached Regium. And the next day we came to Petuoli, where we found brethren, And we were invited to stay with them seven days. So we went toward Rome, and from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as the Appian Forum and Three Taverns. Now, this is a good ways from Rome, but not that far either. I've been in that area, and it was, to me, by car, it was not a long way at all. But when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. He was excited that there were others there who were brethren who came to visit him. Now, when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But listen to this in verse 16. But Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. That means Paul was given great freedom. He was not a violent criminal. He was not someone that had to be watched all the time. So he was under house arrest. That's what we would call it in our day. He was under house arrest. He would have been equal to someone being on probation for two years while they waited. He might have, in our day, had to have worn an ankle bracelet or something like that. So that's why he had a guard, a probation officer. So he was free to have people in. Of course, he had restrictions, and that's why I liken it under probation. He had restrictions, but the reality is he could have people in, and that's exactly what happened. And for two years this went on. This gave him great freedom to preach the gospel of the Son of God. Verse 17 says, and it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. Now, why did he do this? Well, listen. So when they had come together, he said to them, men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, that is the traditions, the Talmudic traditions, the oral law, a commentary on the oral law, a commentary on the commentary, so forth. But he said, I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go, because there was no cause for putting me to death. That is, the Romans that we saw, Felix and Festus and Agrippa, they said, hey, Paul's done nothing worthy of death. The Jews were just wanting to kill him and murder him and were deceitful about it and lay and wait for him. They were plotting against him to murder him. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled, that is, the Jews of Judea, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Why? Because Felix and Festus and Agrippa were all trying to please the Jews and the leaders of the Jews because they had to live with them. Now, that's no excuse, but that's just politics. Not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see you and to speak with you. Who's he talking to? He's talking about the Jewish leadership of that area. Because for the expectation, the hope, talking about the resurrection of Israel, I am bound with this chain. Paul said, all I'm doing is telling you what I told them, that all the prophets and the Torah 
and the writings, the Tanakh, it was throughout telling of the resurrection. I mean, after all, even Abraham believed that if Isaac were to have been killed and, and he would have had to sacrifice him, that the Lord would raise him from the dead. That's what the book of Hebrews says, and that's the inspired word of God. That's what Abraham was thinking. So the resurrection of the dead was the, always the hope of Israel. And then they said to him, We neither have received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reported or spoken evil of you. So they just knew Saul of Tarsus, Paul, as a great Jew and someone who was noted as the student of Gamaliel, the elder. And so uh, they hadn't heard anything bad at all about him. And the reason is many times in those days, of course, they didn't have social media and all the things that we do, and word just had not gotten there. Why? Because the people in Judea, they just wanted Paul out of their hair, and they wanted him away from them because he was messing up their traditional playhouse. In verse 22, it says, but we desire to hear from you, that is the Jewish leadership, on what do you think concerning this sect, that is the people of the way? We know that it is spoken against everywhere. It is spoken against everywhere. Don't miss that. All the Jews were speaking against it. This is general terminology uh, because it's like saying everybody says this everywhere. Well, that's not true. It's not everywhere and it's not everybody, but that's a general statement. So when they had pointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, which tells us he was in a nice place, to whom he explained and solemnly testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Yeshua, Jesus, from both the law of Moses and the prophets, the Torah and the Nevi'im, from morning till evening. You see, he knew the word of God like the back of his hand. And he was sharing with them throughout all the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the prophets starting at Joshua, who was part of this, and the former and the latter prophets. And he went through all the passages in Isaiah and Ezekiel, and he went through all of the passages in the on and on and on. He went through the passages having to do with the prophecies concerning the Messiah. And some were persuaded by the things that were spoken. In other words, some believe, some disbelieve. By the way, that's always the case, isn't it? Not everybody believes, as a matter of fact. This is the pattern down through the annals of history. And so it says, when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word, that is, the Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, go to this people, this is in Isaiah chapter 6, hearing you will hear and not understand, seeing you will see and not perceive, for the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn and that I should heal them. These are prophecies that Paul was explaining concerning the people who would not believe. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, to the non-Jew, and they will hear it. And when he had said these things, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. Some of them were saying, you know, he's right. Others were saying, no, it cannot be that because Gentiles have no part in the kingdom of God. And this is back and forth, back and forth. Again, does this sound familiar? Then Paul dwelt two years in his own rented house. 
and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. Well, this is a story that doesn't end. It's continued to this day, 2,000 years later. Yes, that's right. The story doesn't technically end. It is just another chapter, year after year, decade after decade, century after century, and already we're 2,000 years past, and the story is still going on in you, and it's still going on in me, as we share the wonderful message of Jesus the Messiah with everyone that we come in contact with, that God opens their heart and gives us an opportunity to share. We are salt and light in a decaying and dark world. And you and I have the same opportunities, the same message that the Apostle Paul and Luke and the other disciples and apostles had. What a wonderful opportunity. What a great day to be alive. Look up, child of God. Jesus is coming. And until he comes, we are to occupy and to do what he's given us to do. Don't be down. Don't be discouraged. This is the day of salvation. Lift up your head, child of God. We win. We win because Jesus has already won. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.